Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another TV episode of Games My Mom Found, a spooky one for Spooktober. And who's in the upside down with me tonight? Today, it is everybody's favorite spooky person, Kenneth Sanity. <laughs> and welcome. You. <laughs> so we are here to talk about something that I just wanted to do. Uh, we are here to talk about Stranger Things Season 1, the Netflix science fiction show that came out in 2016 for Season mm-hmm. 1. You say science fiction, I say also horror. Yeah, it's yeah. science fiction, horror, mystery, drama is what Wikipedia, which is never wrong, says. Oh no, Wikipedia is well known as the font of all human, human knowledge. <laughs> Like this is time. This is not timely in two months. But somebody made a somebody edited Wikipedia put Jets, uh, George Jetson's birthday as a like a date around this time. And then they took it out because there's no factual evidence of that. But oh, you mean August thirty first, twenty twenty two is not when George Jetson was born? No, they they never said his birthday. But it's getting close. Yeah, you you know why? You know why? Because he's a cartoon. He's a cartoon. <laughs> he was born in the sixties. Whenever the show was. <laughs> so I always I just find that funny but i just had to mention that but yeah oh, we're here to talk about season one which really doesn't it's hard to believe that we're recording this in 2022 season four has already dropped so there will i mean season four has been at this point you hear this has been out for a couple months so there will be spoilers some all season one spoilers and some season two three four maybe just to, i don't know where we're gonna go so i'm just gonna warn you guys now so if you haven't been all caught up there might be spoilers but if you've been on the internet you've probably been spoiled anyway so <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> Here at Games My Mom Found, we tend to go where the conversation takes us. Yes. And sometimes it might take us through disappointing future series. I'm just going to throw that out <laughs> right now. Well, plus the fact that, you know, with my with my outline that I don't write up, you know, I don't, you know, it's not as planned. It just kind of goes where it goes. So I don't so think the show was here. <laughs> I don't think the show was supposed to take like the way it took off. In a way, to me, is kind of interesting because this kind of at this point, this has really become one of Netflix's like big things. I would say that this is probably the thing that is saving Netflix's life right now because it sure as hell isn't Six Underground and its coming sequel. It probably isn't The Gray Man and its coming sequel. Hundred percent, it is more than likely Stranger Things. That is one of the main reasons that people probably keep Netflix. Because Netflix kind of suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, I have I have been subscribed to it and I won't unsubscribe to it, but I completely agree. Like, it's funny that you bring up how this was kind of a surprise to hit when I think it's the exact opposite. I think it had to hit. I think it was crafted in such a way that it had no choice but to succeed. Okay. I mean, I just find it surprising because I don't, I guess in 2016, I didn't pay any attention. All of a sudden, it was just up there and people were talking about it. I'm like, okay, I'll go, I'll go watch this. I had no, like, nothing really, you know, grabbed me. I just like, okay, the show, I'll go watch it. People are talking about it. And it ended up becoming something pretty important to me and my wife. And here I am. That's what we're talking about. So it, it's, it's, it's not without its faults. No, I mean, season one has faults. Season one doesn't follow things, in my opinion, that... I don't remember season two at all, so I can't remember if it doesn't follow things from season two. And it has some questionable moments that don't really make sense that we'll get into in this first season. But I don't know if that's just because it's 
TV being TV, or if you know they just retcon stuff if <laughs> they continued on. Oh boy, yeah, this show is like the king of retcons. Boy, let me tell okay, you. so it wasn't just me. Another thing is like the cast is all is mostly a bunch of kids. Like these were just kids that they just you know audition and they were all nobodies of course at this time i mean now they're all you know well-known actors i mean you had a few bigger actors in in here you had winona Ryder. you had guy what the, the guy that played jim hopper i can't think of his name all of a sudden david harbour yep david I think he was more well known yeah uh winona Ryder, of course is you know it's winona Ryder. we everybody knows winona Ryder. uh you also have matthew modine as you know the main antagonist in season one, Matthew Modine's been around for decades. Quality actors. Quality actors all. <laughs> and that's what, you know, want to kind of cover the premise of the show. Sure, we probably should. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a, it takes place in Hawkins, Indiana. What, the 19, is it 1982 or 83? It's early 80s. I know that. Okay. Yep. So the whole idea is that you have like this small town. The first episode starts off. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons, which I, f- you know, is such a thing that really encapsulates the show in general. Like the whole idea of you know they're playing D anD D, and that's what these kids are relating to, and they use it to describe what's happening in the real world, which I love because that's what kids would do. Hell, that's what we do as adults. Like you try to find something that you can understand that might be fictional, and then warp it into reality in a way, or use it to identify reality. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're, you know, dealing with the possibility of other dimensions and, you know, things that you just you have never experienced before. You have no frame of reference. The thing that you're going to do is relate it to things that, you know, that are familiar. You want to put it in terms that A, you understand and B, other people will also understand. Yeah. And I mean, and they do a good job of that. And I like it that most of the show you know, you have your well, you have three different groups of people really in this show. You have the, the, the group of kids, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and then Eleven, which we'll talk about. And then you have Nancy and Jonathan and Steve kind of doing their own thing. And then you have Hopper and oh, what the Joyce. hell is the Nota Rogers character's name? Joyce. Joyce. <laughs> and you have Joyce kind of doing their thing as this whole show is progressing. And like it, it works well. I mean, their their stories interact, but for the most part the three different groups are kind of are kind of just kind of going through the 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 show which i think takes place what over the course of a couple of days or so it's not very or maybe a week it's not very long no no it's really not i, I think it's about a week okay that I makes don't a lot of sense white remember but that's nah, fine <laughs> close enough i mean it's not a lot of time passes and in the first episode this is when you first see will one of the kids after they get done playing D&D, he's riding home which is at the 80s, so he's just running home on his bike in the dark. <laughs> and he make a he goes he ta- he goes through Mirkwood, which I also find funny because Mirkwood is Lord of the Rings reference. And he just he takes a shortcut home. And while he's doing that shortcut, I think he, he does he either jump his bike or he hears something that he can't remember what or he gets spooked by something. A little bit of both. Okay, this bothered me for a long time and did not make any sense to me until season four. And we'll talk a little bit about it, but like the whole idea is that, you know, he's running, he, he gets spooked, he sees something chasing after him, and then he runs to his house, is still chasing after him, he runs into a cabin behind the house, loads up a gun, and then he just disappears. And then that's the end of him for most of the show. And I always thought to myself, because as the show progresses, you know, they're being hunted by this thing called, they call it Demogorgon, 
and it's mostly like an animal. It's a monster. And I was confused. Like, why is this this monster trying to eat people that are, you know, as, as the show progresses, you find or the episode progress as, the sh- as this season progresses, I should say, you find out it's attracted by blood. You find out that it it's hunting food. So it doesn't make sense that Will disappeared. And I was always confused. Like, I didn't really remember this. I haven't rewatched the show. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I mean, I guess that's fair. And, you know, that I don't know, like the way he disappeared did make sense because the Demogorgon drags its prey back to the Upside Down to feed. So, you know, makes sense there. But are you, I'm going to get a little bit of spoiler for territory, but are you with the, the, the fan rumor of what that's supposed to be? I don't read the fan rumors, so you're going to have to tell me. Okay, I will. The, the fan rumor is that the thing that you see there is not a Demogorgon, because there's one small scene where he sees something coming after him, and then he, like, runs away. People are pretty sure that scene is n- is not a Demogorgon, but Vecna at this point. Oh, that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the whole, like, theory, is that is that Vecna was trying, which I can now buy better, but also if you look at the arm, it doesn't, it's hard to say. Like, it, it's a very brief scene. It's in the shadows. I mean, it wasn't meant to, you know, you can't do a whole lot with, but to me now it makes more sense that it wasn't just a Demogorgon because of the fact that Will goes missing. And then as Will is event, is in the upside down, he doesn't get fed. He doesn't get eaten. He gets eventually put into like an alien cocoon almost. Yeah, when they catch up to him, which episodes later. Episode 8, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, he is much, very much running, trying to hide in his time in the underground. And he has just completely disappeared off the face of the Earth, as far as everybody's concerned. Which, so, I mean, which really plays into the show. Like, you play, you know, the three kids that are trying to find him that don't believe he's missing. You know, they don't believe he's dead. They believe he's, you know, he's missing. They're going to find him. They don't trust the police because they're 10-year-old kids. You know, and, this, and you have his mother, Joyce, who is, you know, freaking out because her youngest son is gone. And I just want to give a shout out to Winona Ryder for very portraying very well this parent who is on the like right on the brink of just losing her mm-hmm. damn mind, <laughs> who is just clinging to every possible hope that not only is her son still alive, but he might be able to be returned to her. Which is completely realistic. She plays a grieving mother perfectly, especially a mother in her different situations. A mother whose divorce, as you see, has two kids. The the father of the kids is an asshole. Like, it all, it plays well together. It really does. And, I don't know, like, the show itself really kind of rallies around this whole, you know, weird nostalgia thing. Because I remember growing up in the 80s. And that's when you had the children on milk cartons. There was an epidemic of missing children during the 80s. And, like, they would put their faces on milk cartons because everybody had milk cartons. It was a better way than, you know, just flyering a town. They didn't put it on the internet? Uh, There was no internet. (laughs) But, you know... Being a child of the 80s, you know, I was born in 1980, so all of that I remember. Not well, but I remember it. Okay, that's cool. That I didn't catch, because I, I was born in 87, so I really, I grew up in the 90s, but 
that's interesting. I that also kind of fits. I feel like that fits well into what what this whole premise is because this show is a lot about missing kid in general. Yeah, it's a it's about missing kids, but it's funny because the missing kids is like a side story. It's yeah, not the season. main thing. The main thing is there's a laboratory in Hawkins. Hawkins National Laboratory, a division of the Department of Energy. And they're doing creepy experiments because that's one thing the 80s did really well was, you know, making sure that these government branches that operated without oversight (laughs) led for, like, fertile ground for, oh, my God, what are they doing? Are they doing atomic tests? Are they experimenting with things that they shouldn't? Are they trying to experiment with psychics and mind control to win the Cold War? Because this is still when the Cold War was going on. And it does a good job of working with that and having that really kind of echo throughout this entire show. And even in season one, they plant they plant seeds for that. They mention the commies. They mention the Russians. They, they mention things about them, you know, making weapons to fight the commies. And I mean, they, they make comments like that multiple times throughout the season. Little yeah. stuff, foreshadowing, but little stuff. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, see, and this is... This is why I don't believe the Fecna thing. And this is why I will never, ever accuse this show of knowing where it's going. <laughs> well, the show supposedly, in quotation that no one can see me doing because this is a radio, that they said that they kind of had like an outline of what they wanted to do when they started the show, that they knew it was going to be four or five seasons. Like that was the original plan. Yeah, and sorry, buddy. There's... Nobody knows it's going to be four or five seasons. Netflix cancels things willy-nilly. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. But that that was stuff that came out around the time after this first season dropped. That was some of the those are those are, those are things that came out that they said, which turned out to be true because the show was running five seasons, which is enough yeah. to be honest. Some might say too much, but whatever. Uh, I'm I'm okay with five. Five is not too long of a show. When you start getting past seven, you need to end. Okay, first off, don't you dare talk about my show, The Blacklist, like that, currently going into season 10. I was actually going to reference Big Bang Theory. went too long. Uh, Oh, well, that was because that was a crappy show. I I love that show, but yes, it was (laughs) crappy. I love it, but it's a a crappy show. I can't stop watching it. Anyway, about the Hawkins National Laboratory, uh, turns out mirroring the very real experiments called MKUltra, they are indeed oh. working with children who have psychic abilities. Which oh, you I didn't like. know that? You didn't, you didn't know MKUltra was real? No, I don't think I did. I mean, which I'm, I kind of find surprising because I'm the kind of guy that loves, like, looking up history stuff and just, you know, that type of thing. So I'm surprised I wasn't, Yeah, no, I'm not aware of that, I don't think. I'm not surprised. Maybe in the back of my head somewhere I watched something that mentioned it, but I don't, I completely can believe it. Like, the there was also weird blink. in the 70s there and 80s. There's a blink and you miss it headline about, uh, the director of the Hawkins National Laboratory, Dr. Martin Brenner, uh, being involved in MKUltra. Oh, okay. Oh, like when they're reading the, when they're looking through the papers at one point when they're trying to get information. Yeah. Okay. That's why I missed it. But that, that's cool that they linked it to something in real life. And again, the government, like they make a comment. They're like, the government, we can trust them. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, it's the eighties when they say that. Cause in the 2020, it would have been like the government, we can't trust them. <laughs> yep. Of course, nobody would trust the cops either. But this was a simpler time, a time when, you know, there was only one black person in Hawkins. So you can't do weird cop stuff with him. 
and the internet didn't exist, so people didn't know about the atrocities that were communicated as as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's how things got how they got now. People are more aware of what's going on. Not like things got worse; it's, they were always bad. We're just now aware of it. Games of a mount font. We're topical here, folks. <laughs> yes, we are. Some for some reason, whenever you're on, we end up in very political moments. I've noticed. I can't help it. I hate no, the sorry. world, and the world hates me. <laughs> But I think the show does a good job of stringing along the drama, of stringing along the suspense in each episode and keeping you interested, too. Like, in the end of the first episode, I think you're introduced to Eleven, this girl that they find randomly in the woods with shaved head and just a T-shirt on, and they, they kind of just take her in. Well, there's a little bit before that. Because okay. to, go, to go past that, we would be overlooking one of the people who truly did not deserve the end he got. Eleven does get out of the Hawkins National Laboratory. Ah, yeah. And it's revealed to be pretty violent how she got out. <laughs> what with throwing people around with her force powers and breaking necks by, you know, just kind of looking at them mean and twitching her head. It's, it's good <laughs> stuff. And when she gets out, she gets taken in at a restaurant, Benny's Burgers, and Benny, the gruff but lovable owner of the restaurant, initially sees a kid stealing food out of his kitchen, freaks out, and is like, wait a minute, you don't look right. You're in, like, hospital's gowns, and your head shaved, and what's wrong with you? And you don't look like you've eaten. So he gives her some food and calls child welfare. Uh, child welfare eventually comes and shoots him in the face with a pistol, like <laughs> you do. <laughs> And it turns out this is not child welfare. Hawkins has come, the Hawkins Laboratory has come to collect what is theirs, meaning Eleven. So Eleven, wearing not much other than a Benny's Burgers t-shirt, runs. And that is where we find her at the end of episode one in the company of the threesome who, if I remember right, does not yet know, or do they do know that uh, Will is gone. They know Will is gone. They're looking for Will. That's why they're out there in Mirkwood. Yeah. And this is a good time to talk about the the kid cast. So playing 11, you have uh, future Drake victim, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Drake's a piece of shit. Everybody deal with it. And in this first season, she's great. I mean, she's, like, all, she has she's to, young, too. Oh, yeah. They're all young, but I think she's really young. And, like, she has to portray this whole... I don't know what the world is. Like, I only have the basis communication skills. And she has to somehow communicate all of these horrible things that have happened to her in this laboratory to these three other idiot children. <laughs> and I think she does a really good job here. She does. She does a good job. I mean, and they also do a good job of playing an idiot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because yeah. you you are right the way you say that three idiots. I mean, they really are like, and, and again, it fits. They're just a bunch of kids. Yeah. And they're a bunch they're of kids like, that live you know, kind of sheltered lives. Yeah. They live sheltered lives. They have their, their, their nerds. They're mm -hmm. proper nerds. They're talking about video games and they're talking about Dungeons and Dragons and talking about science fiction and fantasy and horror movies. And like they're, they're proper nerds. So when they're actually faced with something that they have to do, they don't know what to do. They're idiot children. <laughs> they're still trying to find Will, but they're also trying to keep this strange girl that they found in the woods safe. 
the strange girl, by the way, who has come to love Eggo waffles. And I get that. <laughs> I mean, one, it's safety food in the sense of it's the first food she has once she, you know, or food that's given to her by a friend. You know, something the first person to kind of show that they cared about her. So it all makes sense. Besides waffles are good, but it all makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know, it all works well in in that way of like what she's going through and why she becomes that way. You know, like what she and like, you know, I mean, you know, they fed her at this place because you have to or they'd all be dead. But, you know, it wasn't it, it was you can, you know, from the little scenes you get from this first season because you get flashbacks throughout the show of how things were at the lab that she was at. And the, some of the first scenes you get is her just being like she did something bad or whatever. And they just lock her in a room into a little solitary confinement room. And you just hear her crying. And one time when they go to lock her in the room, she murders the two people the orderlies are trying to lock her up <laughs> so yeah you get to see throughout the show like how powerful she is before she really does things in front of the kids that they don't see you see flashbacks yeah. of what her powers are and what she's i mean the first time the kids see it is when they're trying to they're going to go upstairs and tell their tell his mother that she's here and she just slams the door in their faces and you ain't going nowhere <laughs> yep and the reason they call her 11 is because she has a tattoo on her arm it's zero one one. She's eleven. What does that mean? We don't know, but that's what they call her because she doesn't know her name. And <laughs> we won't find out until season four what that means exactly, or maybe season two. I don't remember season two at all, though. So, well, we do find out in season two what her real name is. Mm. Okay. They don't really talk about her real name anymore. Season two is the like forgotten. She season. has. Uh, no, not by me. It's not. Well, I mean not, but I mean like by the show. I feel like. I like season two a lot, oh. but I feel like, well, I'm talking about one episode in particular in season two. I wonder if they're going to, if they're going to visit again or retcon it, but that's, that's another conversation. <laughs> well, no, they did bring up, they did bring that up in season four. Okay. We'll have to talk about that off. So I'm curious. Yeah. I don't remember, but all right. Well, it's just like with every, like you were saying, Millie Bob Brown's a great actress. Finn Wolfhard. I think it's how you pronounce his name. He's the guy that plays Mike. Mike. Who also is in Ghostbusters Afterlife. And, and he's also in It Chapters 1 and 2. Yes. He's going to have a freaking... I think almost all these actors are going to have a career. Here's the thing. No. You don't think so? I don't. Okay. I don't. Let me tell you why. First off, I've seen The Turning starring Finn Wolfhard. Boy, no. <laughs> okay. It's not a good movie, and he is not great in it. Okay. He was good in Ghostbusters Afterlife, and... I just feel like he's been in a bunch of stuff, so I thought maybe, you know, I feel like there's a good chance he could do more that he'll end up, but I haven't seen that other movie you're talking about, so. Yeah, it's it's not a great movie. It's, we're not going to talk about it. Anyway, okay, uh, Gaten Matarazzo already had a career before this. He plays Dustin. Like, he was on Broadway. Yeah, he still is. Yeah, so he's he's going to be fine. Whether or not he does more movies, my, my biggest sadness for... Kate Matarazzo is that you look at him and now because of how big this show is, he's Dustin. Yeah. He's always going to be Dustin. And he's one like, of the biggest characters of the show too. I feel. And one of the best characters, honestly. Yeah. With the exception of season two, but, and then, then you have Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas. He does a good job as Luke. I think. Yeah, he does. He does fine. But the character of Lucas in season one is awful. Yeah, he's kind of a whiny brat that just wants to, that gets upset with the change and doesn't like a girl being part of the team. I mean, that's kind of how it feels. 90% of the problems in season one in the group 
are Lucas's fault. Yeah. 90% of the problems of the within the group in season four are Lucas's fault. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 50% of the problems within the group in season two are Lucas's fault. Like they have written poor Caleb McLaughlin, a horrible character. He's a terrible character who never learns anything, but God bless him. He's trying. He's doing what he can with what he has. Okay. And then you also have Noah. God, what the hell is Will's name? He's not really in this season much because he's uh, Noah Schnapp as Will Byers, the biggest casualty of this entire series. Oh my God. I feel like he's going to have a big part in season five though. So he better man, because like Will is not in this show much. Not in this first season. In this, not in this first season. No, like he is the thing that he is the plot. Everybody is advancing on the plot, but in the like two or three episodes that he's in, he acts the shit out of them. <laughs> like this little kid is good. Now he does a he does a good job. I mean, like you only really see him in the first part where he gets kidnapped. You see him throughout the show in the upside down, which is the other dimension that they get caught in. Or he gets caught in, I should say. And then and you, you see him see him in flashbacks too. Yeah, that too. And you have him singing, Should I stay or should I go now? If I go there will be trouble. And the I can't remember that song, but there is a song in this that I listened to another podcast called Comic Conspiracy, and the guy was complaining back in twenty sixteen when this show came out so complains about it, because there's a song that they have that they play somewhere in this that came out in the eighties. And he's like, there is no way a guy in Hawkins, Indiana, in the middle of nowhere would have heard that song in 83 because it wasn't. Okay. I don't remember no, what song it was. No, that's not true. I don't care that. I don't think it was that song. It was one of the other song, but it was just funny. It's, it, it makes it's me shallow and pedantic. There are imports back in the eighties. I was importing things from other country for music. So if I in Kenosha, Wisconsin could do it, Hawkins, <laughs> Indiana could do it too. I just find it funny because that's the reason he puts on to hate why he hates the show. So that's all. Some people who have any stupid fucking reason, (laughs) but it's hilarious to me now. But no, it was just like, I I like the fact that like the songs they pick, I feel like, like, should I say, or should I go now works well. And I didn't catch this when I watched this in 2016, but now I'm looking back at it more artistically. It makes sense. That's that song because he's, you know, in a weird situation where he's just hiding. And, you know, should I say, or should I go? Should I run and try to escape or should I just stay where I'm safe and hidden? Like, I don't know. I just find it was interesting. I mean, yes, partly he's singing it just because it's what his brother was playing for him. And but to me, it kind of felt like there was more to it this time. Yeah. And oddly enough, oddly enough, it actually sets something up for season four because music plays a huge part of the story in season four. Yeah. I also feel like music plays a huge part in the 80s, too, in like general. Oh, Oh my God, it does. Like looking at, you know, know, looking at like history, I feel, you know, 80s music was such a, like just changed everything in a way. Cause well, I mean, 70s did too, 60s did, but 80s was, you know, it was getting even more different. And I think 80s, 90s is when you started getting more genres of music. And it started in the 80s because rap started in the 80s, if I remember correctly. Well, technically it started in the 70s. 70s. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, you just, I, I like the way the music is incorporated in this. I, I really do. I like the way that, like, they, what they, I mean, it's too bad Will's not in here more, but they do, he does, like you said, he does a good job when he's on, when he's on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he does an amazing job. And the music for this show is just, I will, I will give this. 
no matter how much the show annoys me at times in future seasons, <laughs> the music choices are always there. They're always great. And you have a variety of music. Like in the first season alone, I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. You have songs by New Order, Peter Gabriel, Scorpions, The Romantics, Cindy Lauper, Bon Jovi, Devo, Toto, Psychedelic Furs. If I had to guess without listening to the podcast, I'm willing to bet that they're upset about this song, Atmosphere by Joy Division, being on the show. It might be that, because I know it was some song that I was not aware of, but it was something that he was like, it just came out that year and this and that. But yeah, I can't I can't remember what it was that he said. It's been a long time. Yeah, no, Jonathan Byers is 100% a Joy Division kid, like 100%. <laughs> I also like Jonathan Byers, Will's, Will's brother, who's helping search for him throughout this whole season. He does his own way. I mean, he he grows a lot as a character like and he also like they they bring him off as like a creep in the beginning of this because in the first episode you have him taking pictures because he's looking for his brother he goes out in the woods and then he sees this girl who's sisters of one of his brother's friends nancy and she's at the pool with some other with some friends and her boyfriend he starts taking pictures of her which is as creepy as hell he's been a little creepy guy he's the creep from like all those john hughes movies but then he develops into more and it turns out those pictures that he took, oh, those are going to, that's a secret tool that'll come in handy later. <laughs> but my favorite, he takes a picture of Nancy taking off her bra in the window. Like, Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pure I know. 80s creepiness. Yeah, like they really had to like, yeah, we got to, we got to put on to this guy who's a creep. Like, you don't have to do that. I mean, yes, it leads into other things and that's why they do it. But he also takes it, he takes a picture of this girl, Barb, which you haven't mentioned yet, just sitting at the pool. And this is a good time to talk about Barb. Like, okay, Charlie Heaton does great work as Jonathan Byers. Shannon Purser plays Barb. And, God, if I never hear the name Barb again, I'll be fine. (laughs) Because Barb also gets taken to the Upside Down. But I don't like how she gets there. it's, It's perfectly reasonable how she gets there. Yeah. I mean, she's bleeding... Yeah, she bleeds into the pool. The Demogorgon, who we've already established, is out. Thanks, Will. You know, (laughs) takes her to the underground. And it's a particularly, like, harrowing scene to watch. It is not a pleasant or fun scene. Like, Shannon Purser really acts the balls off this. Because, like, you can see she is absolutely terrified. She has no idea what's going on. All she knows is that something is taking her somewhere that she does not want to go. And she just kind of disappears. And that is the impetus to get her best friend, Nancy, Mike's sister, involved with the story. Yeah, because she's uh, only, Barb's only there because Nancy wants to go sleep with her boyfriend. So she brings Barb along. And then when Barb cuts herself trying to open a can up, a beer. Why the fuck they're opening cans of beer in the side and drinking it like, like idiots? I got nothing, but... Hey, man, that's shotgunning beers. That's what you do when you want to binge drink beer. I have never done that, but then again, I don't binge drink beer, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's weird. Like, you, I know you lived in Wisconsin. I'm shocked. that I, li- I left happened. at 18, though. I'm I- still shocked that this <laughs> never happened. I was doing this in junior high school. I didn't drink. I barely drank in high school, middle school. Like I had Smirnoff, Smirnoff ice, which is not much of a beer. 
with my parents around. That was it. Uh, I didn't touch hard alcohol until I was 21. I didn't. It's like I just. I wasn't in that crowd. I was in the crowd of let's go play video game. I wasn't into any. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> yeah, people I hung out with didn't drink. Different crowds, really. I didn't drink at all until not much. It wasn't until I got when I and then I came here. So yeah, I never shot beers. Fair enough. You should try it sometime. See what all the fuss is about. Mm, anyway, I think I'm good. <laughs> Nancy Wheeler is there, yes, to sleep with her boyfriend, Steve Harrington, who is just, oh, my God, the most popular boy in school. And his (laughs) hair is dreamy, and he's cute. And surface level, that's who you think Steve is. Steve is the dumb jock because he plays basketball. He's super popular. And Nancy is just, oh, my God, I'm going out with Steve Harrington. And... For this most part of this first season, that's exactly who Steve Harrington is. Until like the last episode, really, or the last two. Yeah, because Steve is just kind of, you know, full of himself. He's, you know, the jock. Everything's been handed to him in life. He's got an easy life. Now he's got this super awesome girlfriend. But he's sweet. He's not like, he's not shitty like the 80s movies normally would be. Like or his he helps two Nancy study. Yeah, or his two friends. He helps Nancy study for her test and like actually helps her study. And like, that's your first hint that there's more to this Steve Harrington than let on. And Joe Curie is just an absolute delight as Steve Harrington, even when he's beating the crap out of Jonathan for being (laughs) creepy and destroys his camera. Oh God, he destroyed a like a camera. That's just, Oh, kills so much of all cameras. Oh, like is like is a good camera. Okay. It's a very, very good camera. And, like, uh, he just, he's a piece of shit, but a lovable piece of shit. He's the Han Solo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, that really is the way to look at it. And Nancy, well, Nancy just starts out as being, you know, very, you know, concerned with her popularity, very concerned about her grades. And all of a sudden, Steve Harrington's interested in her. So she's like on cloud nine. And then Barb disappears and nancy is focused on finding what happens to barb in the same way that the kids are focused on finding what happened to will i mean for nancy she feels guilty because she brought barb there and then barb's missing barb doesn't come to school the next day and then her car is she her car is still there and then all of a sudden her car is not there anymore and they found at a bus station and they kind of just forget about barb after that too i feel like because the cops are like oh yep she ran away we're just gonna leave it now not our problem yep so the way Hawkins, the National Laboratory people moved Barb's car, obviously. Well, they're smart. I mean, they're very good at a cover up. But just the way that they filmed it, too, of Nancy and Steve having sex at the same time that Barb was being pulled into the pool and the upside down and just being murdered. Yes, yes. The the just juxtaposition of moments of passion and moments of terror are <laughs> often referred to as being very similar with the. Uh, shed innocence of sexuality equating with the bloodletting the literal bloodletting of barb and the upside down i'm i kid i kid but i don't (laughs) like it's actually how somebody would probably describe it in an academic setting yes it is thank you for your film degree (laughs) came my mom found that information (laughs) and like it's the way they intercut this show is it's good it's not great. A lot of times it tries to send a message that was already there to begin with. And yep. the way they cut it makes it a little too clumsy. 
for my personal taste. And then the third episode starts with Barb in the Upside Down. Oh, it does? Barb. And you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Third episode, like, starts with Barb waking up in the Upside Down. She does attempt to escape, but is cut down real quick by the Demogorgon. Yeah, because yeah, she gets killed so fast. Oh, yeah. So fast. And, yep, here's where we'll talk about it. Why not? So fans latched on to Barb not getting any resolution. In season one, Barb does not get any resolution at all. No, because they think she's missing and not enough time has passed. So, like, they found Will. Obviously, they find Will. Spoilers, I guess. But you've had six years. You have nobody to blame but yourself at this point. You have two more years, or three, before you get to watch the final season, so... Yeah, we'll see about that. I you don't think it will? Sooner. You think it will be sooner? Oh yeah, hundred okay. percent. They can't go that long. Barb never gets any comeuppance, and this started a hashtag for a long time. Hashtag justice for Barb. I don't understand why Barb was kind of crappy. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, the point of her character is really just for to get this to get Nancy involved, get John, you know, to kind of do be that link to have another person go missing because they make a comment that like six people have gone missing. I mean, there's an early scene in one of the, in one of the episodes with Hopper, which is, we haven't talked about yet played by David Harbour, which is the, the sheriff. Like you show, it shows him off as he's a drunk in the beginning, sleeping with different women. And then, you know, and you talk, he makes a comment. He was like, you know, this is, you know, we Hawkins, nothing happens in Hawkins. And here we had a suicide because Benny is ruled as a suicide after they shoot him in the face. And then you also have a kid go missing. You have another kid go missing. He's like, he's like, stuff like this doesn't happen here. Which I feel like kind of helps encapsulate, like, what's going on in this town. You yeah, know, and this like, is and it, the, it's the proverbial 80s town rocked by violence. Yes. Which also was a huge theme running through the 80s. Thank you, Reagan. <laughs> well, okay. First off, Reagan was the devil. Bottom yes, line. I agree. Second off. <laughs> I've, I've, I've looked at enough history at this point to realize that, yeah, that guy was not one. I think he's one of the worst presidents in history at this point. Like, not not the way he was received, but, like, with his, if you look at, like, his outcome of things he did. And the, Well, the I mean, also, look at his name. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Six letters in each of his names. 666. <laughs> Man was the devil. Look it up, people. Oh, that's funny. Okay. That is funny. I'd love to say that was mine, but I stole it from the boondocks. Thank you, Aaron Magruder. It's so funny as hell, so I don't care. I never heard that. I never watched the Boondock, never will, but okay. Hopper is a joy. Absolutely love Hopper. (laughs) David Harbour just, he's a gruff authority figure, and he plays it well. It's a role that he's played before. Uh, You might remember him as the gruff authority figure from, uh, oh, God, so many things, actually. Like, he's he's played that person a lot. He was in The Green Hornet. Uh, he was in Quantum of Solace. He was also in 2016's uh, cinematic masterpiece, Suicide hey, Squad. Academy Award winner, right? For costumes? Or nominated? Um, yeah, Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. I just got to make that joke every time because fuck that 2016 movie. Fuck that movie. Hey, whatever. <sighs> he was also in, he was a dock worker in War of the World. Like, he's very much a blue collar dude. Until he plays Hellboy, but let's move on. He's a good actor. He does a good job in this. He 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 does a good. I mean, he plays a good job of like being because at first he doesn't believe them, but as the as the story progresses throughout the season, he starts seeing shit that makes him go, 
Because at first he just thinks Joyce is crazy because after Will goes missing, Joyce is in the house and starts having weird things happen. She gets a, she gets a couple phone calls. The phone gets burnt out. She has she sees something trying to come out of the walls. Like, I guess, Poltergeist and Freddy Krueger reference. She mm-hmm. sees that. She sees just she starts having a lot of weird things happen to her and nobody believes her. And then Hopper, it takes Hopper a little while before he believes her when he starts realizing, like, OK, she's not crazy. And Hopper is really having a hard time dealing with this whole Will Byers situation because Hopper had a young daughter who died. And it's not until later that you understand that he feels guilty that he may have caused her death. In later seasons, they explore that more fully. Okay, that I did not remember. Yep. I want to say they touched on that in season four. Okay. God, I watched season four as it came out, but I just don't remember. Yeah. Brain. Well, I just recently watched it, so... (laughs) You watched all, what, 14 hours of that show in eight episodes? I watched all four seasons in about two weeks. <laughs> That's impressive. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Everything with Eleven also is really good. Like, we talked about how great Millie Bobby Brown is, but just, like, her, the way that they that she works in throughout this entire show with them. Like, they give her a dress because they're like, well, you can't go around being, you know, bald shave. You're going to get people's attention in this small town, which 80s also makes sense. And they give her a wig. <laughs> they just find a random, yep. just random crap that they have. So like, here, wear this random blonde wig. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I like it. I actually, there's actually, a, I have a chase. We have the almost, we have the entire season one Stranger Things set, the Funko Pops, and all of se- most of season, all but one of season two, and some of three and four, because my wife loves Stranger Things. So, yeah, and it's, but it's, it's a good show. Well, we have them all displayed on our in our living room. At the moment, <laughs> but what I wanted to say about, about that, where I was getting at it with the dress, is that one is a Chase Funko Pop, where she has the wig on, which I, I think is cool. But like you have her wearing, you have her in the dress, and she looks more like a girl, which is what they were going for to, to disguise her. Like, oh, she's like, he's like, she, he's like, she's my cousin <laughs> from out of town. Like, you know, the little things that they do, mm-hmm. and it works well with everything, like the way, like they bring her to school at one point, which everything has events like the whole the, the idea they bring her to school because they're trying to use the radio system to try to contact will because she talks about how she can hear you know she can use the radio and things and her powers to hear things and then at one point she lies to them because she doesn't want them to go to the place and put themselves in danger because they're trying to find the upside down a portal essentially which is in Hawkins or not Hawkins, but in the the lab that we talked about and she knows that they go there it won't be good so she won't let them go there which makes perfect sense because what are a bunch of kids going to do in a fucking government-protected lab? Turns out, probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in this season. They don't do anything. They don't go there. Right. This season. Around this time is where you start to see Joyce break down further. Because when you're in the Upside Down, you can interact with lights. Yes. In the real world, for some reason. And she becomes convinced that Will is trying to communicate with her through that through that period or through that uh, medium of interacting with light. Which I so she too. buys Christmas light and paints an alphabet on her wall. And Will is apparently able to communicate through that. So she is convinced that Will is alive and she starts working and getting Hopper to believe it. And that's when they find his body. But it, it it's a good job of doing it. Like when they first find his body, you know, she freaks out, obviously. And they, everyone's like, what? He's dead. We thought he was alive. And they, you know, and they all buy it. 
And then this is also where the, the father of Will shows up for the funeral, which he's barely been around. Like you see him, you, you hear about him a little bit. You, you have one little scene where Jonathan goes to visit him and then he, and then he comes for the funeral and like, and they have Will's body. They find it in a ditch. And then you have like, you have the funeral no, they and find you have worry. Yeah. And you have the kid, yeah. the main kids being laughing kind of, kind of like, yeah, Will's not dead. We know he's alive because 11 told him that he's in the, that he's in the upside down. Yeah. You know, this not before well at funerals like kids do. I, I can I can concur that as a kid, I did not behave good at funerals. Either. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's kids. I mean, you yeah. don't understand. You don't care. You don't. Yeah. But it's, this, it's, these kids are, you know, they're they know it's funny because they know Mike's alive or Will's alive. Yeah. They think Will's and, alive at this point. Still, this is before they figure out Eleven is lying to them about the compass thing, then this is when they start questioning if she's telling the truth at all. Yeah. After the funeral. And Joyce, Joyce very much feels that Will is still alive, even though she has the body. Yeah, but there's suspicious things about the body, too. Like the birthmark, well, or there's I, some kind of mark that isn't there on the arm. They won't let... I don't think she catches this, but Hopper catches this, where it's like... You know, the, the normal guy who looks at the body, the coroner, he was sent home, like the state is all involved and they're not handling it the normal way. Yeah, not at all. They bring in their own person to do the autopsy. There's just there's a whole lot of nonsense going on. Mm-hmm. And during this time, this is where the our core group decides that they're going to give Eleven an upcharge by using a ham radio at school uh, so they can communicate with Will better. This is where Nancy notices a figure behind Barb in Jonathan's photo. They break his camera. Yeah, they break his camera. Well, again, as much as I don't like it, he kind of had it coming. In the 80s, I guess. 80s, yes. I don't think they should have done it. It shouldn't have happened. But being the 80s, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but Hopper keeps looking into, okay, why is everything so weird about this? Why are they being so weird about this body? So he goes and fucks shit up in his Hopper way. He just basically beats him until he admits to lying. And then he goes to the morgue and finds out, wait a minute, this body is stuffed like a pillow. It's not real. <laughs> I do like how he just. He cuts open the body because he's all because it looks real. Then he's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. OK, I got another problem with this, because if there was really an autopsy done, there would have been autopsy scars. Yes. And there were no autopsy scars at all. There were no cuts. This body was unsullied. So and you yeah. can tell that right there. The hopper should have been like, man, these fucking liars. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh... Yeah. They, they were liars completely. <sighs> I think that's also what plays well to this, too. Like, the whole, like, you know, you can't trust the government. You know, the government is, you know, lying to you and everything like that. Yep. And this is this is where the season really kind of kicks into high gear. Because now we know that Will is absolutely alive. Yeah. And episode five starts out with Hopper, who suspects that it's Brenner's fault, goes to the lab. And starts looking around for answers and then he gets knocked the fuck out <laughs> but it's more than that they knock him out but they also then 
they they drug him, take him home, and drop him off at home like nothing happened. Yep. So now he's questioning everything, wondering if it actually happened. Which I like that. And, that is a very smart way to try to throw somebody off, especially someone that does drugs and alcohol like that. Just be like, well, we're going to drop him off at home, and we're just going to make it look like he was just having a really bad dream. <laughs> yeah. And it was a really bad dream. At least it was until he finds out his house is bugged. Mm-hmm. And this is what sends Hopper from the, well, maybe they're just, you know, weird stuff to, oh, yeah, no, something definitely is the fuck up. And that's so, what I don't understand. Like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do, you know, if you're trying to like, you don't, you know, if you're trying to pull this guy off being that he's insane. Maybe you shouldn't bug his house. You know, maybe. well, they got to know what he knows. So, like, I get I get where okay. the lab is coming. Also, it, as a guy who watched a bunch of mafia shows or how they took down the mob in the 80s, like this was that's how a bug would look in the 80s. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. So I really appreciated that. And that's also where they would have put it, too. They would have put it inside a light fixture. So it, it made sense. I was very happy with it. Now, lest you think, since we've been talking about Hopper and Joyce and Jonathan and Nancy for a while, that the kids aren't doing anything. I promise you they are. Uh, they go to talk to one of the most underrated characters of the whole show, Mr. Clark, their science teacher, about the possibility of traveling to alternate dimensions. And this is where we get the name The Upside Down. Because he's talking about the story of an acrobat and a flea. So an acrobat can only rock across the tightrope one way, right? Can only go straight back and forth across the top. Unless their flea, name is, unless they have Grayson in their last name, then they can go down too, right? Well, yeah, but, oh, you know. I just had to put that out there. Nah, wrong universe is Mike. <laughs> but a flea can travel along the top of the rope. But because of the way it is, it can also climb across the side or underneath the rope. So it could turn itself upside down. Get it? <laughs> so this is where the kids start trying to figure out a way to get to Will. And Eleven starts remembering things. Eleven starts remembering being placed in the sensory deprivation tank. Starts remembering being used to spy on Russians. Mm -hmm. And this is where she eventually encounters the Demogorgon for the first time. And the Demogorgon is fucking just scary, too. I love the design of the Demogorgon. I really do. I thought they did a pretty great job of it. Now, if you're a D&D fan, this is obviously not what a Demogorgon looks like. No, but I, I like the design and they had to make their own design for you know copyright reasons. But I like it that the kids are just using what they have you know at their disposal, which is D&D. So they're just using names from D&D to call what these monsters are. I like that. And that's something that continues through the entire series. Yes, which I'm, I'm OK with it. And the Demogorgon is just it's, it's great. Like it is one scary ass monster with the freaking mouth that opens up like a flower and full of teeth. Yep. It's just teeth on teeth on teeth. <laughs> oh, I do want to touch on Lonnie real quickly. We were talking about where they find Will and they find Will's body. And then you have a small scene where Lonnie's trying to help Joyce. And he's like, and he makes a comment. He's like, there's no safety at that core. Anybody could fall. And then she puts together he, that all he was there for was the money. Because he was yeah. going to sue them for, for Will's death. And try to get you know, money from them. Like, I, I like that a lot. I thought that was a yeah. good, good scene. Another great 80s staple. Piece of shit, father. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he really is a shithead. And then you never see, I don't think you ever see him again either. I think he's done after this. Like, he's never in the in the show later on either. 
I don't think so. Oh, and then talk about the teacher that you had mentioned that I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Mr. Clark. Yeah, Mr. Clark. Is he in is he in season two? Mr. Clark is in season two. Okay. Because he's only in this season for a little bit, and I couldn't remember if he showed up later. He just has a small scene, like he has a couple scenes where he's helping like you're talking about where he helps him with that. He has a scene where he talks about like with the radio, he shows him the radio early on, the first episode. And he has another scene where they when they're trying to figure out how to make a help eleven communicate with the people in the upside down and he tells them how to make a sensory tub thing. Yep. And he's also the one that explains about the electromagnetic fields being wonky at such a place. So that's why they go out looking for the with the compass to try to get to the lab. And this is where Eleven redirects the compass and causes <clears throat> Lucas to be like, no, she's one of them. She's not helping us find Will. She's a monster. And that causes a fight. And Eleven is trying to protect Mike. So she just throws Lucas, just throws him into something and knocks him out. And Mike kind of flips shit because he's like, hey, what are you doing? That's that's not how we treat friends. Friends don't throw each other telekinetically into metal objects causing their unconscious state. <laughs> or something along that lines. Yeah, I mean, so, he was... I do like that, though. That's a good scene. Yeah, but it just proves that Lucas is just the worst. <clears throat> I mean, also, Eleven doesn't... Under, it, it also kind of really shows that Eleven doesn't understand her powers. Yeah. She doesn't understand what they do to people. Yeah. That's how sheltered she's been. So I'm 90% convinced that she doesn't think she killed any. Also, she also doesn't have any social skills either, which I think is a good compare. Like, kind of they're showing here very early on that she doesn't, you know, because when, you know, one of the first things that Mike says to her is friends don't lie. And she repeats that into season four. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> because like, and again, I buy that completely because some people, you know, especially in her case, like she was sheltered. She didn't, ha- she wasn't taught social skills. She wasn't taught any of that. It reminds me of Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, who doesn't have social skills because I think he's supposed to be considered autistic. And, like, that idea. So I really like where they go with Eleven. I liked how, you know, she's learning everything for the first time from these kids. These dumbass kids. Yep. And this is where Eleven takes off. Yeah. And we also find Nancy and Jonathan trying to find a plan to kill the Demogorgon, which they now know exists because Jonathan caught it on film. And Nancy ends up going through a gate to the upside down. This, I had forgotten. I completely forgot this happened. And I think this is a really, like her and Jonathan are hunting the Demogorgon in the woods or looking for something. And then they find, because they realize that all the attacks of the Demogorgon are happening in this like certain like triangle area or Mm -hmm. where it's kind of coming out. And I like that too. But also like the whole, like she finds, they find a deer. I love deer, by the way. (laughs) They find a deer that's been attacked and and as they're looking at it, they're about to shoot it to put it out of misery because it's dying. All of a sudden, it gets grabbed by something and pulled. And then they, they can't find it. They follow a blood, a blood trail. She finds a hole in a tree in a tree at the bottom of a tree and that looks weird. And then she goes into it. And now she's in the upside down. And she's freaking out. Well, wouldn't you be? You're, you're all know. in a world that looks completely different than where you were. And you hear something eating and see a giant monster eating on a, eating a deer. See, here's the thing, though. Like, I've read the Narnia books. I go through somewhere and end up somewhere else. I've just kind of accepted that this is a probability in my point in some point in my life. Has it happened yet? (laughs) No. Okay. Well, 
<laughs> you ended up in Illinois, does that count? Uh, I guess so. Okay. You, went, you ended up somewhere you didn't expect to be? Uh, <laughs> too soon? <laughs> yes, it is too soon. <laughs> anyway, Nancy does get out. Jonathan helps her back, and she doesn't want to be alone, so she asks Jonathan to stay in the bedroom. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, this, this this I don't... Is, the mother don't pay enough attention to what's going on with her kids. I will say that. But... <laughs> yeah. Everybody just sneaks through the window. Steve sneaks yeah. through the window at one point. Jonathan, I'm assuming, came through the window. Like, yeah. I get it, though, that she didn't want to be alone after seeing that and being in that in that world and almost dying. Like, I get that. And this is where Steve, who's trying to, you know, be cool with Nancy again after that fist fight with Jonathan, he comes and sees that they're in bed together. <laughs> <sighs> And it's like, all right, cool. Well, done, I guess. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, because she likes Steve. And then, I mean, as, this, as the season progresses, we kind of see that that relationship isn't done. You know, you have moments yeah. of that. And, like, I also think it's funny because Steve was originally supposed to die in season one. Like, that was the, the plan. But they, the writers really liked the actor, Joe Carey. So they, kept the, they, they wrote the character. They kept the character around. He was supposed to die. Which, thank God. Yeah. Thank God, because I'll be honest, Steve Harrington is one of my favorite characters on this goddamn show. No, he's one of the best characters in this. Yeah, he has the most growth. He is the realest person. Like, Steve Harrington in season four and Steve Harrington in season one are unrecognizable to each other. In four seasons, he has experienced more growth than some people have in 12 seasons. Or real life. Yeah, or real life. Like, this is a dude who is challenged, and instead of retreating back to himself and exploding violently, Steve Harrington changes because he's given new information. And that's that's great. He likes Steve Harrington. He's a great character. And I'm, I think that actor will have... Yeah, I know the actor has movies already. I think he'll have a good career, too, because of this show. Yeah. I liked him in Free Guy. Oh, yeah, he was good in Free Guy. I forgot about Free Guy. Yeah. That was a decent movie. Yeah, he was good in Spree, too. Like, he's he's got chops. Yeah, I, he, I could far. see I could see him sticking around. I think I still think most of them will. I don't, but I have been wrong before. We'll see. It doesn't matter. I'm just <laughs> we'll see what happens. But like, like everything would, would and then this is where what ends up leading because Nancy and Jonathan's story ends up kind of wrapping up where well at least before the end is that eventually things happen. Hopper comes back. Hopper tells the you know meets Eleven, tells the kids what their plan is, and he leaves them in the gym. To, to stay at the gym. Him and Joyce go to the lab to try to break in, which is not going to work, but to break in to try to find, to get to where, to try to figure out what happened to Will exactly, because they know Will is something to do with this place. So that's what they're doing. And at the same time, you have Nancy and Jonathan, who then realize that the Demogorgon is going to come after them. So they go, they leave and go back to, and they had bought earlier, they had a whole scene where they bought a bunch of bear traps and gun bullets and gasoline because they're going to set up a trap to kill the Demogorgon. Yep. And Nancy is surprisingly good with guns. Yeah, you have a small scene with that where she's tests and she can shoot like really well. And, and I mean, that's real too, isn't there? Some people that just have like a really good accuracy with guns somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. Natural aim is a thing. You get Nancy doing her best Sigourney Weaver here going from, you know, just a, you know, right off female character to a super empowered bad bitch and that doesn't stop either no 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 nancy nancy will go on to be one of the strongest characters in the show Mm -hmm. like mentally physically 
she she the best. I like that they did that. I like that they did so much with her too as the show progresses. Oh yeah, they do a lot with her. Now going back to the kids, after Hopper and Joyce put the kids in the gym, this is where they call Mister Clark, find out how to make their own separate sensory deprivation tank, and they try to amplify Eleven's powers so they can find Will. And yeah, he's still alive. Will is still alive in the Upside Down. You know who isn't, and who we finally get proof is dead. Barb. Oh, we finally get proof in this. Oh, yeah, they they find your body, don't they? Yeah, Eleven finds Barb dead and Will alive. Okay. Uh, Will is currently hiding in Castle Byers, his backyard fort. And this is <laughs> when he gets like captured by whatever's yeah. in there. Yep, this is where Will gets captured, and this is also where Nancy and Jonathan plan on luring the Demogorgon. And that finally brings us to the last episode of season one, where Hopper becomes a dick. <laughs> yeah, because like they, they take him, they, they capture them because, of course, they, they go to this plant and they just get captured like instantly because, come on now, you're going to a government facility, you're just going to walk in again? Really? Mm-hmm. So they capture them and then they're torturing Hopper and they're about to kill him too. I mean, they even tell him like, "You're you're just you're you're on drugs. You just had a bad week and you overdose." Like they're like, "We're you know they're pretty much like, this is how we're gonna murder you." So yeah. And this is when he kind of flips and's like, "Well, what if you didn't murder me? What if we make a deal? What if you let me and Joyce go in after her kid, and then I tell you where your kid is?" Yeah. Dick move up. Yeah, it really is. I didn't. I forgot that any of that happened. But yeah, you can tell it was that for sure. Yeah, because Which, that's you know, what he does. Like he, you know, he he says that, and then they show up at the school. But luckily, the kids had moved from the gym to the cafeteria, which is a different building for some reason. The school because they're hungry. Which again, their kids makes sense. Yeah, gotta get that pudding. <laughs> and like, and then, and then they also, you can tell they also don't think that Hopper and Joyce, the government, doesn't think they're gonna make it. They think they're not gonna get there anywhere. They're like, they're not gonna. I remember someone's like, "What's the chance they're gonna find?" No chance. They do. They find Will and they get him out. The thing about when they find Will is that he's in he's in kind of like a cocoon, like alien style, which I and find a, like a weird slug down his throat. Yeah, which is unlike anyone else that ever gets taken into the upside down. So, like, on one hand, you could say they just forgot about that. Or what I choose to believe is that that's our first indication that Will is a special case. Okay. There's something about Will that he didn't get killed right away like Barb. Well, also, this also kind of confirms or goes along with my the fan theory, my, and I believe part of this, is that whatever took Will wasn't the Demogorgon. It was something else. Except so we, we see the Demogorgon breaking in to Castle Byers and taking Will. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. Okay, so, I still feel like they're... Okay, my original theory as a, when I first watched season one and two was that there was some other entity controlling everything else. Which, which is was a big, true. That's, how I, that's what I believe. And to me, this isn't in this season, but in season two, there's that big like smoke thing they see at one point. That was in, like, I think it was in the posters and stuff. Yep, that's what, player. which is also in the end of season four. I, also, I think that's what is, I always thought was a thing controlling everything else inside this world. Yep. I don't and know how I feel was. about that's supposed to be some who it is supposed to be in season four. But if that's what it ends up being in season five, I buy it, which I'm pretty sure that's where they're going. But I'd like the idea of it either way. Yeah. But we'll see where it comes. But, you know, they get Will. They save Will. 
Meanwhile, Steve goes to Jonathan's house to apologize for the fight. (laughs) Because in one season, he's already grown so much. And then he, Nancy, and Jonathan end up fighting the Demogorgon. And boy, oh boy, they fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, this is a good scene, too. Like, Dan's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, no, she pulls a gun on him. She's like, get the fuck out of here. I don't know if fuck, but I'm going to. And it's just so good. And then you know, Jonathan has to snap around. He's like, Nancy, Nancy, the fucking lights. Like, you can't, you need to stop doing this. Because <sighs> he, you know, he realizes, like, the Demogorgon's coming. And they fuck it up a little bit in this part. But they, I mean, they shoot it and piss it off and it runs away. Yep. And then it comes back. <laughs> and then they set it on fire. It's when it comes back, though, that's the real, like, I feel like the great part of it. Like, it oh, comes yeah. back and it almost kills Jonathan. It, it jumps on him. Nancy runs out of ammo. And he, oh, Nancy distracts it, runs out of ammo, is about to die. And it's only because Steve comes running in, picks up the baseball bat, and starts just beating the shit out of it. That saves the him. The baseball bat with nails in it, by the way. I can't even can't imagine. Can't get enough of that. That's, that would have to hurt like hell to get hit by something like oh, that. Oh, that's that's got to hurt like son of a bitch. But this is where Steve Harrington gets his happy hero moment. Ah, so good. <laughs> I, I mean, this is when he changes because he, you know, it, it's because of him because he's in the car. He, he runs back to his car and they tell him to leave. And then he sees the lights flashing. And then he and then he I'm assuming he hears the gunshot. Then he runs in or somewhere around that point runs in. Yep. To do something. And uh, it's so good. But they don't kill the Demogorgon here. They piss it off, they weaken it, but it's not dead yet. No, I mean, they burn it, but somehow it's able to slip back into the Upside Down and get away. Yep. Which I don't understand exactly, but... Eh, just let it go. I know. I mean, in this season, <laughs> and I think second season two, the portals open, so they're able. things are able to come and go, correct? I think it's what it is. Because uh... if I remember correctly, the end of second season, she does. she closes the portal. That's the end of third season. God, that's third season? Yeah. Oh, man, okay. Okay, so, okay, I can buy that. Okay, that, that's probably what it is, because the portal's open that they're able to kind of come and go as they want. Again, it doesn't matter. Third season? Shit. All right. You're the one that that's... watched. I haven't seen two since two or three since they since they debuted, so I can't really help you much. No, that, that was... It doesn't matter. That was the second season. That okay. was the second season. All right, sorry. Yes, we only want facts on this show. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, the Demogorgon comes for the kids at the school. And it's, this is good. Like, this is where you see, um, because they corner Eleven, they corner the kids in Eleven, and and Eleven just fucks them up. She oh, just yeah. kills everybody in the room. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, we're talking heads exploding, uh-huh. eyes bleeding, bones snapping. It's not a pleasant time. No, because she's a fucking, like, she's a killer in this. She's a monster. I mean, she really is. We didn't talk about, but you have the bullies, you know, throughout this where she breaks the guy's arm at one point. I mean, he deserved it, but she breaks his arm like she does some fucked up things. And she, you know, in this, she flips a van that's following her and the kid from the Hawkins lab. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, they're dead. She, yeah, pretty much. She's I mean, not Batman. <laughs> I mean, Batman kills people, too. Yeah, he just hides. But, better. um. Eleven does eventually defeat the Demogorgon, but then she disappears along with it because apparently we're led to believe that this is that her energy was so powerful. It took the Demogorgon out and took her out and everyone is sad. 
Mike is sad. Everybody's happy that Will's back, though. Will is now alive. And uh, Nancy is back together with Steve, and they're both friends with Jonathan. Steve gets him a new camera, which is cute. I like that, because he felt bad for breaking it, so they got, you know, I like that a lot. Yeah, like, I like the fact that all three of them are friends now. That line will be tested later. And the series ends with Will coughing up a weird slug creature and seeing a vision of the Upside Down outside of his window. But he hides it from everybody, and everybody's just having a good Christmas. And that's the end of season one. Except you do have Will, who he there he goes to the bathroom at the end to wash his hands before dinner, and this is when he like he spits out a slug. Yeah. And then you also have him, he makes a reference to, like, he doesn't feel okay or something. Yeah, he's not... He's not doing well. These questions that won't be answered until season two, but something has come back with Will. And, I mean, that still hasn't really been answered yet. I mean, kind of. I feel like, I mean, they they do answer some stuff in season two, but not enough. And season three. Okay, I don't remember. I guess I I guess I don't, you know, because the show took so many years to come out. uh, I don't get I don't remember it as well. Well, like, okay, let's start with season one came out in 2016. Mm, Season two is is 2017. Yeah, it is now 2022. And we just got season four. Because season three didn't come out until 2019. They took longer with that. And then they took even longer with season four. So theoretically, we should be seeing season five at some point. Probably going by what seems to be happening here. You might be right. It might be 2025 that we'd see it. Yeah, I mean, I I assume they're going to try to get it out faster and that we'll have it either 2023 or 2024 and it won't take them three years again just because they have so many other things planned. They have spinoffs planned. Like they have a lot coming down the pipeline. I know. I agree. But (laughs) that's what they're up to. Yeah, like they're doing plenty of things. And, you know. Talking about, no matter what I think about the other seasons, I have my feelings about the other seasons, but season one was so fresh. Like, it was, it was a, it was cool when it came out. This is what everybody was talking about. Oh, yeah. And I think this is also one of the, one of the shows that really made people question the whole binge theory thing, the whole binge thing that Netflix still does, which almost everyone else is gone of for now, because this is a show that people would have talked about for eight weeks. Instead, people talked about it for about two weeks. Unless you kept watching it and thinking about it like I did. I did not. I watched it once. I bought a bunch of the... We bought a bunch of Uncle Pops, and then I, I've seen it a couple times. But now I'm going to rewatch all of it again. But yeah. And it, it just it shouldn't... You know, like, again, with like the, the newest season, you kind of see where they went away from that. Yeah, like they... This first season, honestly, this was weaponized nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it did so well. Because most of the kids that grew up in the 80s, you know, they were in their, you know, mid to late 30s, early to mid 40s when this came out. And, you know, this was all crafted around their experiences growing up. You have shades of E.T. in here. You have shades of uh, Stephen King stories, specifically Firestarter. Uh, oh, yeah. You have, yeah. You have elements of, you know, 
horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and The Thing. Um, there's just there's so many specifically 80s nostalgic things that all come together to make this a show that honestly I don't think could have failed at the time mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah, cause especially with the, the 80s, you know, this came out in 2016. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, like it was, it's a heck of a thing. And this really does show you the power of nostalgia because <laughs> everybody wanted stuff like the 80s. Like there was this big period of 80s nostalgia that was going from like 2015 forward. And, you know, people dug it. People wanted it. And this filled a niche for them. And this spawned a lot of other 80s nostalgic things that we're still continuing to see, be it video games or movies or stories, so on and so forth. Okay. But it's it's very much like a love letter to like Steven Spielberg and Stephen King stuff from the 80s. Like you said earlier, Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist. Yeah. Uh, you get some Stand By Me vibes. Never seen it. E.T. Like, there's there's just a lot of stuff here that is a, was meant to appeal to the people who grew up in the 80s. Yeah, it does a good job of that, I think. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. But okay. there's also part of me that's cynical about it. <laughs> that's just because you're cynical, I think, in general. Nah, usually not, but I, yeah. I mean, you are when it involves a certain uh, Wayne son. He's a oh. piece of shit. Moving on. <laughs> I had to throw that joke in there. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of any other, other scenes that, I'm, that, are, that are flashing in my head that I want to mention real fast before we wrap up this episode. Nothing jumping out at me that we, I mean... Again, we can't touch everything. On, on, you know, these are these are these are some kind of monster season. But I, you know, we're just kind of doing an overall of this. I think that's everything I, I want to say. I think we should go to shelf stacker box, and I'll go first. I'm going to put this season one on the shelf. I really liked it. It gets you really excited for what's coming, and I remember being excited for season two. Like we watched season two right when it came out because we were we were excited for it after finishing this. So I enjoyed it. I, I still really enjoyed watching it. it it kept me still engaged, and it also re- realized how much stuff I fucking forgot since 2016. <laughs> but it's a it's a good show. I'm gonna put it in the shelf, and I might rewatch it again just because. Like I'm excited, to, and we're gonna go through this hopefully a lot faster than it took the time for them to to make this. Hopefully, we'll have all four seasons covered pretty quickly. My plan. But we'll uh oh. <laughs> well, quicker than like you know years and years and years like we're doing with Sandman. We do one Sandman every every two years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to make this wait for every Spooktober and do one every... We'll see. But I plan on just kind of getting through this, so we're we're all kind of caught up by the time Season 5 comes out, hopefully in not three years. <sighs> Fair enough. I'm hoping Season 5 comes out next year and they can just wrap up Stranger Things and be done with it and move on. That's my goal. My hope. Not my goal. My hope for them. Because I'm, it just needs, needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ken? I will put this season and this season only on the shelf. Okay. This season, I thought, was the best season of the show. It got weighed down by a lot of stuff moving forward, but these were the ideas that they had at their purest form where you wouldn't find them. You know, it, this was the most distilled version of this story that we were ever going to get. And I don't know. I really dug it. 
it's definitely on the shelf for me. I don't have all the pops or anything, but uh, there was a, a Demogorgon statue that I was looking at the other day, and I was like, man, that'd be kind of cool to have around. We have a giant, maybe not a giant, but we have the bigger Funko Pop of the Demogorgon, too. Nice. Like I said, my wife fell in love with this series. Like, she really did. So yeah, it's... The, uh, the characters are great. Storylines, fine. We didn't really get to talk about who I truly believe to be the head bad person in charge of everything. Oh, we should talk about that before we wrap this up. Oh, oh no, because my ideas are very unfounded. You don't think it's Bre- you don't think it's Brenner? Is that the guy's name, Brenner? Oh, Brenner's definitely in charge of the lab. We didn't talk about Brenner at all. We didn't because he's kind of a non-character in this. I disagree. Like, okay. Let's, I guess, let's talk about Brenner, I guess. Yeah, who, who cares how, the, I mean, <laughs> the show can go however it wants to go, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, let's talk about Dr. Martin Brenner, uh, as played by Matthew Modine, star of stage and screen. <sighs> he's just your basic, typical evil scientist. Yeah. But he's nefarious about it. Well, I mean, he has Eleven calls him Papa, like that's his name. He acts like he's their parent. I mean, in this case, you only see it's only just Eleven, the only girl that's been kidnapped. I mean, as the show progresses, you find out there's more kids. Yeah, that there's were kidnapped. a lot more. Kids. Yeah. But in this, it's only like, and he's just kind of like, yeah, he's psychopath. Yeah, he's basically doing whatever he can to try to figure out how to exploit the gifts that these children have. And he truly believes that he is doing it for the good of mankind. And there is nothing more dangerous than somebody who believes they're doing the right thing. Which is a very true thing for all, like, real psychopaths like that. Like, they all believe they're doing the right thing for the right reason. They usually aren't, but they all believe. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like, I think you find out more about Brenner in the upcoming seasons that make him even worse. I also thought he died in this season, but when I rewatched this season, well, of course, obviously he didn't because he's in season four. Spoiler alert! But in this season, when the scene where he gets he gets attacked by the Demogorgon, it jumps on him, and then you see them shooting at him. And as we do know, as we're taught in this season, that if you shoot at the Demogorgon, it will get distracted. Yep, and so, only distracted. It will come after you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you shoot it, goes. Oh, okay. You want to? You want to hurt me? Huh? Let's. I'll have you can be lunch instead. <laughs> so, oh, you're going to shoot me? Well, you're a bastard, and you're going to die. So that's what. So that. So now I understand. Like, okay, now you can see that she that he doesn't actually die. That well, obviously, but that he just you know they didn't show him die. They just had him off screen and put him put the character away essentially. Yeah, but his presence looms over the rest of the series through flashbacks, through hallucinations, and he is in this season. He doesn't feel like he's he's nasty yeah but you don't know how nasty he is until for future season yeah like there's you meet you meet eleven's mom in this briefly oh yeah we didn't talk about that either yeah but we don't know that it's her mom no you don't know anything about this random woman who filed a report against brenner and then kind of went you know they said that she overdosed on drugs and lost her ability to speak and stuff yeah but you know, we come to find out that it was the lab. Eleven is her child named Jane. Yeah, uh, that we'll all get into in season two. Yeah, like there's there's a lot more coming. But like in this season, he's just kind of a spooky boogeyman lurking in the background. You don't really have any idea how awful he truly is. 
Yeah, you don't find that out till I think season four, if I remember correctly. But I don't remember season two and three at all. So yeah, season two you get some, season three you get more. Season four you really find out that he's really kind of a piece of shit. Oh, who do you think is the main villain in this that you said was controversial? Oh, I want to hear that. Obvious. It's Ted Wheeler, Mike's dad. <laughs> okay. Why is Ted that? Ted Wheeler is the biggest piece of shit on this show because all he does is not believe his kids, talk down to his wife. We don't know what the hell he does. All he does is pop up and start talking shit all the time. <laughs> okay. Like, he is the absolute non-present 80s dad like he works he comes home and he just bitches about his family and like he he does nothing he does nothing he's listed as a guest appearance in every season because he's never around much i just <laughs> i want him to be the person who caused all of this i <laughs> i really want him to be the worst character on the show. Okay. Because I fucking hate Ted Wheeler. That's not what I expected, but that is hilarious. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, it's controversial because there's absolutely no evidence other than the fact that I don't like him. That's a fair assumption. That's fair, though. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if they're, if they're really going to embrace this, they need to embrace the Lost Boys, the vampire movie from the 80s where the person you least suspect is actually the worst one of them all. Okay, I, I don't foresee that happening like that, but... I don't either, but I really want... <laughs> you want him to turn out to be the villain of the whole time? Like, <laughs> I just want him to be the villain. I want him to be the, the head of the Department of Energy. I want Eleven's <laughs> Escape to have been planned. <laughs> okay. I look, is, I do, this is what I want. I do look forward to seeing where the end of this show goes. I really, really do. And this first season definitely got me interested and even rewatching it got me interested to watch more. Yep. So and I will. We should. So, I will. I mean, like I said, I'm going to try to do this faster than a lot of the stuff we do in this show and just knock it out. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll right. see what happens, but that's my goal. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Ken. Always a pleasure. And yeah, if you like this episode, we have over 350 other episodes and we have a lot of spooktober coming. We have a lot of good horror games. A lot of good spooky stuff in general, horror movies. Just stay tuned for the Spooktober. We're, we're, we're making another good one like we I try to do every year. So stay tuned for that. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can't find what you're looking for. Everything is on Podbean, our entire monster catalog of over 350 episodes. So you can find all that there. And also, if you enjoyed this, please follow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube at audio only. But hey, subscribe. Make me happy. Make me feel good. Let me see that little thing tick up. So... <laughs> just do that because eventually i will do video eventually hasn't happened yet but eventually it's coming and you want to help out the show we do have a patreon for as little as a dollar you can vote in our patreon polls um i do not know what the poll is exactly yet for this month but it will be a it will be another horror poll i can say that because it comes out in september yeah, it'll be some kind of horror poll so as little as a dollar you can vote in our patreon polls every month so go and you help out the show and you make me happy so you want to make me happy right <laughs> and want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of helena at hell has fear you can follow her on tiktok she made our music and shout out to my buddy, Bill Tucker, who did the MCU movies with me. He started his own podcast, The Gamer Looks at 40, where he interviews people and talks about how video games have affected their life. Very, very good show. Definitely go check him out, too. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, right, everybody. Happy Spooktober, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be happy for me. I don't like spooky stuff, but we'll see how it goes. 
right environment. So long. <laughs>